You know, I'm not a computer guy. Uh, I, I use computers a lot, but I don't understand the inner workings of them. And one thing I've learned over time is that, uh, you know, when something goes wrong, I used to call up people and say, hey, what, what, what's going on and how can I fix this? And so many times they would either come over, or they'd say, Pat, just reboot the computer. That means turn it off, give it a minute or so, and then turn it back on. And it's amazing when you reboot a computer how many low-level problems are cleared up and all that junk that is cluttered while it's been on and you've been working gets cleared away and downloaded and you start back up just with a basic clean program and the computer runs smoothly. You ever been there? You ever have to do that? Yeah, you've seen it happen. Sometimes we as believers in Jesus need to reboot our lives. 2020 has been a tough year. There's been a lot of low-level problems, you might say, that it has created for our lives. There's a lot of junk and clutter that has filled our lives as a result of the difficulties of 2020. And some of us just need a reboot to start back up again freshly. Sometimes we need it as individuals, sometimes we need it as a church, but we need a reboot to run smoothly again. And I wanna, you know, we finished up the series in Ephesians and the many different sub-series we did within that. We're starting a new series on truth next week, which is so important and so relevant to the world we live in today as we take a look at the truth that we are living in the midst of, the way the world sees truth and the way they're operating right now and what the Bible says about truth. But I really felt led that I needed to take one week just to do a reboot. A reboot for Moraine Valley Church, a reboot for me, a reboot for each one of us individually because 2020 really was a difficult year. Actually, as a church, and many of our ministries, we actually had to shut down. Thank you, Lord, that you had already prepared us and equipped us for online ministry that we could continue like that. But it's nothing like meeting together. And, and we started back up after a while. We started with a limp. We started with a lot of restrictions. We're still trying to regroup in light of operating for years, almost like a machine, you could say, and then all of a sudden a wrench was thrown into it and everything was thrown off. Our nation went through a pandemic and we also had a year of great division. Division over masks, division over politics, division over race. And, um, and it touched the church in many ways, every one of those areas. Individuals felt that jobs were affected. People either lost income or had to work from home or everything rearranged with their work life. There was separation from friends and family and people that we normally see and get together with that we weren't able to connect with during this time. There were milestone events, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, you know, fill in the blank that 
either didn't happen or re reduced to a few people or maybe at best a drive-by kind of situation. We had weddings. And we had, uh, you know, things and showers that were put off, greatly reduced from family and friends they wanted to celebrate with. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I think my heart hurt the most for those who lost loved ones because all of a sudden the ability to aggrieve was really impacted because either only a handful of people were able to gather or in many cases they even had to put off the time to have a service to be able to connect with others. So it just so many things were thrown off kilter in 2020. And we come to 2021 with great hope. And the pandemic continues. And now it even comes with a new variant. The Delta variant, when we were just starting to get out of hibernation, and we thought, man, we can get back to life now. And, and then all of a sudden we get hit again with another variant. And guess what? Now they're talking about another variant that's coming up that may bless us for 2022. The Mu variant. You know what? Let me just say this. We need to learn to live with a virus because it looks like it's going to be around for a while. And we're going to need to learn to adjust to what that means. And I'm not the guy who's smart enough to say all that, but because each one of us that know Jesus, have him living within us, we do have the person within us who's smart enough to teach us to navigate that. But you take the viruses continued, divisions have gotten deeper rather than lessened. You take a look at now the new, uh, just in the last month, terrorism is going to be a new reality for this country and the possibility of that for, for the years to come. Inflation is going crazy. Matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, I was heading home and uh, Kim called me and says, Pat, I had a real busy day. Could you maybe pick something up on the way home? I said, sure, baby. I'm I'm right by the place, our, our favorite Mexican restaurant where we like to pick things up. So I drove in and I ordered the burritos we normally get. And I was shocked when I saw on the sign that those burritos were $2 more each than usual. I thought, okay, I get it, it's inflation. But the part that bugged me, I gotta be honest with you, is when I got home after paying $2 more, I found out they cut the burrito by one third and that was only two thirds the size it was before. So inflation is now just jacking up and we're seeing it all over the place. So 2021 with the great hopes of a new year and a new start and everything's gonna get back to normal hasn't happened. I'm not sure we're ever going to see normal again. That's just the reality. We need to find new ways to navigate what is going on. And my concern today is what it's done to us. You know, we talk about all those things out there, but how has it impacted you and me? The isolation that people felt from being separated from one another. For some, it really created depression. People were alone with their thoughts and emotions and began to wrestle with these things in difficult ways, and some people were depressed. 
Other people felt totally disconnected to the support system of people they had before. And even being back, I'm hearing they're saying, you know what, I'm around people, but I got so disconnected inside that I still feel alone even though I'm around groups of people. So there's depression and disconnection that this has created within the lives of many. How about fear? You know, fear is like an algorithm. Those of you that understand that with a computer, they kind of have a way of noticing what you look at. And they pick up on that and they send similar kind of things to you because they know that that's the kind of thing. Well, fear does that and anxiety. The pandemic for so many, and understandably at the start, created some anxiety and fear. But because it's like an algorithm, I say, hey, you know what? We got a little fear and anxiety stirred up here. Let's throw a couple other in front of them. And so it seems like the enemy or our own soul seems to be attracted to other anxieties and other fears and past ones that came back to the surface. And now it's like anxiety and fear for some has become on a steroid and they just don't know how to shake it. Mental health has been a deep concern. Matter of fact, I am surprised, I understand it, I'm not shocked by it, but I am surprised by how many emails, how many videos, how many seminars, how many things have been addressed specifically to pastors about their mental health this last year? There's been a big concern about those that work with people in ministry because of the stress of last year that no matter what decision you made, you had people on both sides and no matter what decision you had, nobody took it lightly. And pastors were in the middle of so much and there's a deep concern right now about the mental health about pastors all over the country. And I was just shocked. And you know, I understand why the enemy would do that because what did Jesus say? Strike the shepherd and what happens? The sheep scatter. If you can take down the pastor, you take down a lot of people with them. And so the enemy has been working overtime on those in ministry and they felt the depths of the stress and the pain and the difficulty. Mental health, not just for pastors, but for everybody has become a real issue. Racial and political divide has gotten stronger. People have been driven to the polar opposite ends when it comes to these things. And people that we used to be comfortable of being around, people that were either of a different political persuasion or people of a different race, that we used to be, now there's a little bit of uncomfortability and selfishness and anger has been put on steroids because of the division that's going on in our country. People stop going to church. They become uncomfortable with online services. Now, let me say this. I know there's some people for, I'm sorry, for medical reasons really had to do. I've talked to some of you and I get it and I understand that and I affirm that. So I'm not speaking right now to those who either because of personal medical concerns or people that they're close with say, man, I, I still got to be careful. I, I understand that. But let me, I'm going to speak to those who don't have that. <laughs> they just got out of the habit of coming to church. Statistics say, by the way, now that people who consider themselves regular attenders come only once or twice a month. Uh, that, that's not healthy spiritually. 
I want to speak to those who've gotten out of the habit of coming to church regularly. And that, it, that that's become a reality in our world. And I, there's some who could and should be back. And you'll hear why a little bit in the sermon, why that's helpful to you and why it's good for us. But uh, I want you to listen with a couple extra ears this morning if you're one of those who's at home or here that just comes once or twice a month. That uh, that's one of the things this has really deepened as people's coming together as the body of Christ to worship together and hear his word. Ministries starting back up, a fewer people coming and those who come don't engage as much with other people, maybe out of fear of the virus and we got to kind of still keep away and run in and out the doors or whatever. And so as I thought about all this, this is just the reality of where we're at. I say none of that with condemnation, that's where we're at. I've experienced some of these things. So it's not like, hey, it's Pat preaching to everybody out there. This has been for me too. And I was really wrestling with the Lord. What do I say about that? That's our new reality. We're in a new world. We're not going back to the old one. We got a virus that's going to stick around for a while. Um, and you know what, guys? How do we navigate this? How do we download like a reset, a, a reboot, all the junk that's gotten built into our lives, the new habits and the new stuff that's filling our hearts. And how do we get back to the basics of walking with Jesus and with one another? And I wrestled with it. I've read a lot of articles. I've read a lot of articles about this. And, you know, I, I, the thing I remember telling Kim, I said, well, the one thing that's troubled me, Kim, I don't find anybody, there's a lot of good wisdom here. There's a couple proof texts, but I don't see any passages of scripture that people are going to. And I, I Lord, there, is there anything? And I was hit by Hebrews chapter 10. As I believe we get some great wisdom on rebooting here in Hebrews chapter 10. So I'm so glad to see many of you already starting to turn to your Bibles uh, get on your phones. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews was a book that was written to a Jewish church. Thus, the name Hebrews makes sense. Written to a Jewish church that was under persecution. Times were tight then uh, for these Christians. Their persecution was to such a degree, we read in the book of Hebrews, some of them were put in prison. Many of them suffered reproaches and many of them even lost their property because of the persecution they were under. And there was the pressure upon them from the Jewish community because now these were believers in Jesus who were Jews and the Jewish community was putting pressure on them to come back to Judaism. And for the first 10 chapters the writer of Hebrews is talking about the superiority of Jesus and how Jesus is superior to the angels, how Jesus is superior to Moses. He was the great, you know, the, the great figurehead of the Jewish nation, the, the giver of the law, how Jesus was greater than the high priest and how Jesus was greater than their entire worship system. And then we see he moves into the sacrificial system. 
and how Jesus himself became a sacrifice who was superior to the Old Testament sacrifice because the Old Testament sacrifice could only do this. It, it happened one time a year on the Day of Atonement by a priest who had to offer for himself first and then for the people. It only covered the sins and it served as a reminder every year of their sinfulness. Jesus' sacrifice was a one-time sacrifice where the one who became the sacrifice didn't have to do it for himself because he was sinless and pure, Jesus himself. He didn't just cover the sins with his sacrifice, he took away the sins. And he did it one time forever, it didn't have to be repeated every year, and now he says that those who are recipients of this sacrifice are forgiven and become perfected in their relationship with God. Then in chapter 10, as he tells us that now all of this has happened because of the blood of Jesus, he says there's a couple things that we have. And again, he's been loading us up in 10 chapters. You know, we're talking about getting back to basics. This is about Jesus and what he's done. It's about a worship system that's not built on works and religion, but built upon the person of Jesus, okay? And then he comes and he says, because you guys have two things in particular. You have a new way which you can come into the presence of God. You have a new and a living way, and you've got a priest over the household of God, that's the church, who's Jesus himself. And because of that, he tells us about three natural responses to this. And these three natural responses are what I'm saying this morning that each one of us individually and we as a church need to reboot to as we clear out all the clutter that has gotten into our hearts and our lives and we get back to the basics. These three basics here in Hebrew are what are so essential for every one of us as believers. And every one of them starts with the word, let us, let us. So I want you to see the first one. Let me, let, I, I trust you're in Hebrews 10 by now. I'm gonna start in verse 19. In verse 19 and 20 and 20, uh, 19 and 20, he tells us what we have. Then starting in verse 22, we see the first let us, okay? Verse 19, therefore, brethren, since we have, this is something Jesus, a privilege, a right, a blessing we've already received because of his work. Therefore, brethren, since we already have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he inaugurated through the veil that is his flesh. Isn't that awesome? We can, through the blood of Jesus, now come into the very presence of God in heaven. Old Testament, what they do through the blood of, uh, of animals, one time a year the high priest could come into the Holy of Holies and make the sacrifice into a temple that was only a shadow of the reality. The reality is Jesus. And now you and I, because of what Jesus has done, can go right into the presence of God in heaven because of what Jesus did in shedding his blood. And then he tells us the second thing we have in verse 21. And since we have a great priest, 
over the house of God. That's Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice opened a door for us to come right into the presence of God. And because we have Jesus as a great priest over the church, let us. Here's the first thing we need to do. Let us draw near. That means prayer. That means getting close to God. Josh talked about it last week. It's about this relationship that we have with God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. That's believing prayer. Let me come speaking the genuineness of my heart to God in faith. And here's the blood, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can go into the presence of God and we should. This is the first natural response to the person and the work of Jesus that we pray, that we come into the presence of God with believing prayer. When all the other junk is cleared out of the way, we need to get back to the basics when we start up our, the computer and the program of our life so that our program runs smoothly. Prayer needs to be at the heart of it. We need to draw near to God with a sincere heart. By the way, sincere heart tells me this. We're not just coming reciting prayers. I'm speaking to God. Prayer's talking to God and with a sincere heart. God, these are the things going on in my heart right now. These are the things that I'm wrestling with or these are the things I want to bless you with and thank you for and worship you about. And so we're to draw near to God with a sincere heart. And so this is important for a couple reasons. One is how do we clear out the clutter? <laughs> We've got to come to God and talk to God about what's going on in our lives. Acknowledge to him about the clutter that's there and speaking to him. And this is the way, like I said, we got, we got a new, we're not going back to normal, guys. It's time we accept that. And it's not even going to be a new normal. We don't even know where everything's settling yet with our world as it's changing dramatically. But how do we navigate these new days? It's because I can come and talk to God. He's my personal guide. He doesn't just give me a map. He is the guide himself. He's the great shepherd of my soul. He's the one who knows the beginning from the end, or knows the end, I should say. He knows what the end is going to be right from the beginning. And he's the one who can give me the wisdom I need. Anybody lack wisdom? Let him ask of God is what the scripture says, Right? Where are we going to get the wisdom to navigate these times? It's going to be in prayer as we come to God to clean out the clutter that's filled our hearts and to get the wisdom we need from him how to walk in these days. You know, Josh told us last week, Prayer is not about a transition, it's about a relationship. It's the way that I walk with God. It's the way that I draw near, by the way. <laughs> you know, uh, how do I, well, when I'm talking to God and when I'm praying in faith, I'm drawing near to God and I'm close to God and I'm walking with him, I'm building relationship with him. But prayer also does this. Prayer is what allows us to experience all of God's graces. We read about these promises. 
we read about these truths in God's word and, and, and we long, oh, I wish that was part of my life. Well, prayer is the means by which these objective truths become subjectively true for me. And so prayer is so important of taking this book that we study, that we read, we have devotions and we preach, we sing about, and to make it a reality in my life. And prayer also, by the way, is the means by, one of the means by which we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, who enables us. You know, it's one thing to know how to live, it's another thing to have the ability. And the ability comes from the Holy Spirit. And so how desperately prayer is important to us. Turn to Hebrews chapter four. You're in Hebrews 10. Keep a finger there, we'll come back. Turn to Hebrews chapter four. Amazing similarity to Hebrews 10 here. We'll be starting in verse 14 as he talks about prayer. He says this, therefore, since we have, you saw those words before? <laughs> saw it in Hebrews, right? Since we have. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, we talk about since we have a priest over the house of God, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, this is what we should be doing, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us, what? Because we have such a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. What we see there in Hebrews, let us draw near with faith, right? Sincere hearts, here he is. He's saying, guys, because we have such a great high priest in Jesus, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's your need? What's your need today? What's going to be your need tomorrow? What's going to be your need next month? Brothers and sisters, we need to draw near to God through Jesus and receive the mercy and the grace that we need for our specific struggles, which for every one of us is different because we're all made different and we're all going through different circumstances. So let me encourage you this morning, one of the basics we need to get back to is prayer. We need it in our lives. Rather than trying to figure out what I need to do or figure out what's going in my life, why don't I let God sort me out? You follow me? There's a big difference. Prayer, God, come and sort me out and give me understanding what's going on. Help me, help me know. We all sit there and we're going, I got to figure this thing out. No, brothers and sisters, we need to go to God and let him sort us out and give us the understanding we need. Well, on the other hand, we're full of anxiety or anger or fear. You know what? When I come to God, guess what he does? He can cleanse me of those things and give me peace. Rather than trying to 
anxiously concern myself about what I do. What does Philippians 4 say? I bring these things to God with, with a heart of thanksgiving. And what does he give me in exchange? His peace. So rather than letting anxiety control my heart, I draw near to God in, in confidence through Jesus and he will give me his peace. He'll give me his, fill in the blank. What is your need? What mercy do you need? What grace do you need for your life today? tomorrow, next week, next month. Guys, we need to learn to begin to come to God. I'd encourage you to do this. Find a prayer prayer. I, I, I meet two times a week with some other people to pray. Um, just because it's good. It's good for me to hear the way others pray, to have them pray for me, me pray for them. Just, you know, just, it does, we, we all get locked up into our own way, but now when I get with other brothers, I got two different groups of brothers I meet with on two different times during the week. I'd encourage you to find a prayer partner. Somebody you can either meet with face to face or over the phone or you can Zoom it. Who are you praying with on a regular basis? And then join us, as Gary, Gary said it earlier, in the first week of October, as we come to pray corporately as a church. Brothers and sisters, when we clear away all the junk, whether it be bad junk or whether it be good junk, because you know there's going to be good junk that fills our lives too, when we get back to the basics, we got to get back to prayer. That's the first thing we learn in Hebrews. Turn back to Hebrews 10 because we'll see a second thing. A second, let us. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering, you know, hold on tightly and fastly this confession of our hope without waving back and forth. Why? For he who promised is faithful. What is a confession? A confession is a public acknowledgement. It's a declaration of content or even more accurately, the person in whom I'm trusting. Now, when he talks about a confession of our faith, he's talking about looking back into the past and publicly acknowledging, confessing who I'm trusting in for my salvation. You follow me? It's a confession of faith. Is that what he says here? It's a confession of our hope. That's a whole different thing. Hope looks to the future. And hope looks to the future salvation. You see, our past salvation is what Jesus did at the cross when he dealt with sin. Our future hope is with the return of Jesus and the blessings that come when he returns. Yeah, we see in Hebrews again, just look back in chapter 9, just back a chapter before you, verse 28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, that was our past, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. You see, our salvation in the past, our confession of faith has to do with our salvation in the past, what Jesus did for us at the cross. 
our confession of hope has to do with our salvation in the future and the return of Jesus and all the blessings that he brings in that return. And this was so crucial for that church because remember, they're undergoing very difficult times. Persecution. Loss of property, being reproached, some being put in prison. Uh, pressure from false teaching. So you know what brought them great hope? <laughs> you know, guys, hang on to this. In the difficult times without wavering, why? Because he who promised is faithful. We can trust Jesus because he is good to his word. So I hold on to this confession about my future hope in the return of Jesus in the midst of the difficulties. That's what they did, and that's what you and I got to do. In the midst of difficult times where Christianity is gradually becoming more and more persecuted and uh, looked at in a very negative light and when false teachings are on the rise. And again, we'll look at more of that when we get into the series on truth. So this church was holding on to the confession of their hope. Look at one more verse, Hebrews 13, verse 14. For here... Hebrews 13, 14, for here on earth, in this day, we don't have a lasting city, but we're seeking the city which is to come. Brothers and sisters, the hope of the Hebrews and the hope for you and I in these days is to lock our eyes on Jesus in his return. Because guess what? That's the light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? You're in the tunnel, it's all dark, I can't see, I don't know where to go. Wait a minute, I see a little light up there. That's the direction I need to go. That's the way out of this thing. When we put our eyes upon the return of Jesus, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the larger perspective, that's the larger story that helps make sense of what's going on today. And I gotta be honest with you, I'll just say this quick, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at how many ang Christians are getting angry and anxious about what's going on. Guys, if you read this book, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Many people are surprised that was, I can't believe this is it. You know what? Brothers and sisters, our redemption is drawing nigh. Now that doesn't mean we don't have responsibility to help others, but the last thing is we as people of hope should be getting angry and anxious and whether it be there were people that every time Donald Trump opened his mouth got angry, and there's people today that every time Joe Biden opens his mouth get angry, and they get all out of source, and they get all out of joint, and they're all jacked up, and they can't think straight anymore. Brothers and sisters, we're people of hope. And we need to lock our eyes on the return of Jesus and be able to give a reason for the hope within us to those who say, how can you live this way in the midst of these times? It's because of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, put your eyes on Jesus and take it off the news. And put your hope and hold tight to that confession and quit getting angry and jacked off because I'm going to tell you what, 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 what happens is, is that every, you know, we're moving towards a time, we'll talk about this next week, 
that we're moving towards a time when truth will be flung to the ground. That's, what, that's when the Antichrist comes. That's what we're told is going to happen. Guys, we shouldn't be shocked things are moving this way. This is what's going to happen before Jesus returns. Rather than being shocked and all bent out of sorts by it, we need to be people of hope, lock our eyes on Jesus and be able to give a reason for the hope uh, within us and have our heads on straight in the midst of these days. One more let us. 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is talking about meeting together as believers in Jesus Christ. This is about our community life together. And you notice he said in verse 25, as is the habit of some, they stop getting together. Again, I'm not speaking to those that have valid medical reasons or concerns, but I'm talking about those who have gotten out of the habit of coming to church regularly. And you know why this is so important? You know, a lot of times, and as I read articles about this whole, as I was preparing for this, everybody's giving reasons on why you will benefit from coming back to church on a regular basis. And there are a lot of good reasons, and there are a lot of good benefits, but that's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about how you can benefit others by your presence. Do you realize that when you are not here, you are hurting Moraine Valley Church if you're a part of this church? Because you should come and say, how can I stimulate my brothers and sisters to loving good deeds? How can I encourage them all the more as we see the day drawing near? How can I help them get shaken from getting all locked up and bent out of shape by the news and help remind them to keep their eyes on Jesus, encouraging them as the day, encouraging to be together, stimulating them to love and good deeds. What I can bring to the table and the value I bring by bringing myself and my gift and my presence to people. That's what this passage is talking about. You know, when we meet on Sundays, I want to encourage you to think about three things. Many people think about, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship and hear God's word, then I'm going to leave. That's not a complete church service. A complete church service is this. I'm going to come, I'm going to worship, I hear God's word, I'm going to engage with God's people. Our time afterwards is so important. Our time beforehand, the people that are sitting around you, both the ones you know and you don't know are very important because that's God's ministry for you today. My ministry is to preach God's word. And I love to talk to those afterwards who, I, who I'm able to connect with. You should be thinking, your ministry is starting in a few minutes when we dismiss you. And who can I minister today? Maybe it's a new person that needs the gift of hospitality from you this morning to be welcome. Maybe it's a brother or sister that needs to be prayed for, encouraged. The list can go on and on. I think you get the point. This passage is saying we need to be a church because of what we can give to others 
and how we can minister to them and how others are hurting because we're not there. I like what my friend Sam said. Some of you guys know Sam Hamstra used to be the pastor at Christian Reformed Church right down the street. Used to meet with Sam for lunch. He's in another ministry right now. But he, I read an article that he wrote and he said this. And this is really true. I think this is the best thing I've heard about why we should be at church. In the Sunday service, we employ many spiritual disciplines that complement and expand upon our private spiritual. Yeah, we, we, we pray alone. We get into God's word devotionally alone. You know, we, we, we do those things. But here's something, guess what? When we meet together, we expand upon those disciplines because when we gather, we worship the Lord and pray together. Josh told us last week, remember we're praying not just for ourselves, for each other, our Father who art in heaven. It's a corporate prayer. It's part of being healthy as a believer. So when we gather together, we worship and we pray together with others. We fellowship with others. Fellowship isn't just eating. Fellowship is actually bearing one another's burdens. <laughs> and partnering with my brother and sister in Christ in their walk with Christ. We do communion together. We serve one another. We teach. Yeah, Pat preached this morning, but that's not the only teaching that should be going on at Moraine Valley. There should be brothers and sisters as they're talking to one another and hearing one another that speak God's word back and forth to one another and specifically apply what's going on. We're teaching, and we should be encouraging one another helping each other have the strength we need to make it through another week and another day. Brothers and sisters, this is what church is about. And I want to encourage you, if you come to Moraine Valley, and I hope that you come every week, I go out to get people, go on vacation, get sick. But we need you here because we need your teaching. We need your encouragement. We need your serving. We need your fellowship. We need your prayers. I want to encourage your brothers and sisters. So what do we do with all this? How do we reboot? How do we do this? Well, let me, let me just close with what I, I just talked about. The three, three let us. Let us. These are things that we should be doing. Um... First of all, we need to be praying. We talked about it. Make that your personal practice. Make that a practice with somebody else and begin to join in corporately with the church in their prayer times. Second of all, we talked about the lettuce of the hope. I want to encourage you this week. If you're going to watch the news and see all the events, stop and think about what do they mean in light of the future return of Jesus. Because when I get the larger perspective, and I see things have to go this way before Jesus returns, it takes a little of the angst out of my heart and helps me get my spiritual bearings back in place. And now I can be a person who can give a real helpful answer to somebody who wants to know about the hope that's within you. Thank Jesus that he's coming back. Walk your heart in on this hope. Then finally, as we said, start to engage with others. Don't walk this alone. Again, we got to, like I said, COVID is here to stay for quite a while. 
I'm not a doctor. I'm not a politician. I'm just a preacher. Preachers think they know everything about everything. They don't. I, I recognize that. So I, I know enough to know. I don't know about this COVID thing, but I know it's around. and It's going to be around for a little bit more. We need to learn how to navigate this, and we need each other to help one another in these days. So that's what we need to reset to. Okay, these are the things that we can run smoother when all the clutter is cleared out and we get back to prayer. We get back to locking our eyes on the return of Jesus. We get back to engaging with one another. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four to talk about how do we turn off. You know, you turn off the computer. That's the time when we clear up all the low level problems and junk so that we can turn it back on to these clear things. Ephesians chapter four. I'm gonna be in verse 30 and 31. Ephesians four says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Like I said, there's people struggling. I've, I've had some of these and I've had some of the other stuff I've talked about. I gotta admit, I enjoyed watching the Sunday services at home with a scone and coffee in my pajamas. But I said, I got, I got to get back in the habit. Well, I have to because I got to preach, you know. So, you know, I certainly had to come back. I don't know if I would have been tempted to say, I like this donut thing. But I, I, I've struggled with a lot of these things. And the first thing we got to do is acknowledge, Lord, these things are here. And remember, it's by the blood of Jesus these things are cleansed. Got to come back to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But I love what verse 31 says. And to be honest with you guys, I didn't even learn this till yesterday morning. Note the word let. Do you see the word let in your Bibles? Almost every Bible has it at the start of the verse every translation. Actually, if you want to be true to the Greek, this is how it's read. All bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, let it, let be put away. That let is part of the word put away. Now bear with me for just a second. I don't want to get super heavy in the Greek stuff, but this is a passive verb. You know what passive means? That means the action is done to me. When it's an active verb, I'm the one doing the action. Pat is yelling at Kim when he's supposed to be preaching and he's supposed to be just talking to her, but today he feels like he's yelling at me. So Pat's doing the action. When it's the middle, that means I'm doing it to myself. He's in the bedroom, the guy's going nuts. He's in the bedroom in the mirror yelling at himself. But the passive means this. Past the recipient of the action, Kim is now yelling at Pat. Pat's receiving the action. Guess what? Let be put away is not something we do. We receive that action from the Spirit of God. 
And it goes what he says, not let it be put away by you, let it be put away from you. And so many people have been struggling for years trying to work through their anger and their anxiety and their fear and fill in the blank with all this stuff and I'm working really hard and I'm trusting really hard and when it says let, this is what we need to do. When it's in the passive, he's saying this, allow it to happen. Give permission to the Holy Spirit to take it away from you. And what we need to do to reboot is say, God, I'm coming this morning. It's the heads and tails. I love this. We sang earlier, surrender. I'm coming, God, I'm doing what God, I'm giving myself over to you. Well, here's the other side of the coin. God, I'm giving you permission this morning. I'm giving the Holy Spirit permission to take away from me and put away from me this junk that has cluttered my heart. What is cluttering your heart today? You need to come into the presence of God, say, God, I'm, it isn't God, I'm sorry, I'll try harder next time, and I really mean it this time, I'm gonna be more sincere. No, we need to come and say, God, I'm giving you permission to come in and to take out of my heart this junk that has cluttered it. And then on the other hand, we need to give the Holy Spirit permission to fill my life with the good things, to fill my heart with a desire to pray, to fill my heart with eyes that are locked on the future, and to fill my heart with recognizing I need to engage with other believers and I need to be a blessing, not just be blessed, but be a blessing. So as we close this morning, Josh, come out, lead us in some final song here in a moment that'll help us remind us of our hope. I think that's the one we're on. But uh, take a few moments, and I want to encourage you. The way we're going to turn off the junk that's cluttered our heart is acknowledging to God it's there and allowing the Spirit to take it away to work a miracle. Ask Him to fill you with the good things. So take a few moments to meet before the Lord.